You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition. We've got a lot to cover. And here to help me do that, as always, are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. You're going to be gracing us with a game here in a little bit, Maddie Lane? Of course. It's been way too long since we've had a game show on here, so I think I need to bring it back. But first, we have to talk about the biggest thing to happen in the sports world this week. And no, I'm not talking about Dan Lebetard's poll about do you pee in the shower or not. I am talking about NBC Sports the National Sports Network, shouting out our very own Craig Stout, the celebrity, the Renaissance man, taking over on a national level. Football morning in America. It is literally, this is the number one sports article in the world. Peter King. Peter King had a guest writer and our own Craig Stout. The man of many names that are all true, that have all been verified in the last 48 hours. Hi, Craig. What's up, guys? <laughs> How does it feel to be giving the fans of the Chiefs an entirely new perspective on the game of football? As the article so eloquently put it, you are spoiling Chiefs fans with your content. The, the, I I have choice words for that phrasing. Um, it's it's frankly really bad. <laughs> I am I am nobody, guys. <laughs> I, I hate this so much because, and I'm going to be genuine here. I'm going to be genuine here. Oh God. I hate this so much because it ain't just me. Like, there's a whole cadre of people that do film and, you know, analyze film, go through everything that I have learned from two of which are on this podcast with me that are just as good at this as I am that should be getting the same sort of call out. So the fact that I am singled out amongst all of this, I think is BS. There's a bunch of other people that should be getting called out, starting with Kent Swanson and Matt Lane on this very podcast. No, I don't think we're up to stuff because here's the thing, Craig. If we were up to snuff, maybe we would have made the article too. But no, there is clearly a different tier that we are not in. And you are in there. I don't know what, I mean, you're already taller than us, but now you're way up there. But what's it like up there? I hate it. Arrowhead <laughs> Pride was mentioned by name after Craig Stout was. It could have just been Arrowhead Pride, but no, Craig Stout's name needed to be put out there in the stars. He, he is shining so bright right now. Even his own humbleness his own humility could not keep him down he is going to shine through the darkness he is here to bring you guys a new perspective on football he is here to explain <laughs> things to you in ways that have never been done before craig stout ladies and gentlemen round of applause for Cal Woo! phoenix Woo! Woo! 
I mean, the the best part about this is Craig hates this kind Hate of attention. It. Hates it. It's like one of our greatest joys to be putting this on him. To be, I mean, like the whole this this week's probably been a little bit miserable for him, like a hint of miserable. Even though it's like one of the nicest compliments in the world to have. Uh, to be featured in Football Morning in America, like genuinely. I'm so happy for you, Craig. I know you're deep down. That, that had to be a really, really cool feeling. Uh, and we're going to be, I mean, you're Hollywood hop now. You're, it's back. There is no Hollywood Swanson anymore. Yeah, I was on, you don't, you I don't get on, out of it that easy because I'll look, just edit all of this out. Look, I the, the calendar turned June and I haven't been on TV. So I think I think I think we've had a very clear passing of the torch, and and just there's no stopping one Craig Stout. Do you want to? Do we want to? Do we want to stop embarrassing Craig, or do you have more to you want to add, Maddie? I'm not out here to embarrass Craig. I'm just out here to heap praises upon one of my best friends that it's well deserved. <laughs> so like I'm good when you're good. I think I'm okay. It's been four and a half minutes of uh, Craig burying his head in his hand. Uh, so maybe we should let Maddie try to play this game. And actually, this could wind up embarrassing him more, too. I don't know. We're going to find out. It might wind up embarrassing Maddie because every time we try to do one of these games, Maddie embarrasses himself. So let's see what this is about. Listen, this game was initially designed for when we had our good pal BJ Kissel on with us. But lo and behold, when you have four pals sitting around talking about football, it goes even longer than when you have three pals doing it. So we kind of ran out of time for the game then. So we're just moving it till now. But this is it. The game is just called just how much better than the rest of the AFC West are the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) There's some fun trivia questions. They're all AFC West related because I think we were talking about the Denver Broncos when BJ was on. So that's why I wanted to go with an AFC West thing. So here we go. You guys are going to compete to see who's going to get these questions correct and who is the winner of another round of applause. (laughs) <laughs> Which AFC West player had the most yards from scrimmage versus the Chiefs in 2019? Oh, um, Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler. You guys got number one and number two, with Kent being correct, edging oh. out Melvin Gordon by a measly nine yards. Let's go! Third place was also a running back. And Josh Jacobs of the Oakland Raiders. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. All right. Here, this is this is a good one. Which quarterback of the opposing teams in the AFC West accounted for more touchdowns than turnovers against the Chiefs last year? Oh, man. Drew Locke? Derek Carr. This is a trick question. Not a single one did. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Flacco. I knew it wasn't Carr. I knew it wasn't Rivers. Maddie, how many questions do you have? I have three more. These are great questions. Okay, so we are 40% through this game, and it is shaping up to be the greatest Matt Lane game of all time <laughs> and a legitimate game for the first time in like two years of doing this show. Well, that's because Do not screw this up, Matt. It's because it was made for a guest and not for you guys. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He put on, he put on for BJ right there. <laughs> How many players scored more than a single touchdown versus the Chiefs last year? And how many? I'm going to say two players. I think Josh Jacobs was one of them. Man, this is is a memory game. I'm bad bad with memory. I'm old, guys. Uh, um, Yeah, I think that might be it. I'm going to say three. Any guesses to who? Eckler. 
Do we have to name? Do we have to name them? I'm just throw out some names. There's no extra points if you get the number right. You get a point. Eckler, Jacobs. Um, I wonder if maybe eh, Cortland Sutton. Not Cortland Sutton. Uh, I don't know the third. You guys are giving the AFC West way too much credit here. The answer is one, and it's just Keenan Allen. He scored two touchdowns for <laughs> oh. the Chiefs. That's right. All right. So, I mean, That's that, right. Craig was closer though, right? He only so, named like, one pro- play. Yeah, so he could, he's going to take the point for this one. But Craig's up okay. two to one with two questions left. All right, here we go. Did any AFC West team have more sacks against the Chiefs than touchdowns allowed? No. Yes. One. Just because I got to be different. <laughs> there is a reason that Craig Stout got the shout out on... NBC Sports uh-huh. and can't get it because he is right again taking a commanding lead. I should have tanked this three game. To one. The only way Kent can get back in this one is if he can get this exactly right verbatim. Who scored more points? The AFC West versus the Chiefs in all six games or the Kansas City Chiefs only in championship games? And I know, Kent, you struggle with my games here. So championship games is the AFC championship game and the Super Bowl. Kent, you go first. You're the one who needs to catch up. Wait, read the question. Read the question again. The first part, I was I wasn't tracking great. Then okay, who scored more points? The AFC West teams in all six games versus the Chiefs, or the Chiefs only in their two championship games? Um, trick question. It was a tie. Maddie question. Maddie answer. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm going out on like that. It's the Chiefs. I'm going with the Chiefs because we're a Chiefs podcast. Craig. Kent tied this game up because it was, in fact, a tie. Do you... (laughs) Now, for the final tiebreaker. Is it acceptable to order a rice bowl with extra rice at Chipotle? Craig wins. Game over. But this is a valiant effort by Kent. I give him credit. He stuck in there. He made this a nail-biter, guys. I... I okay, so like here's the thing, Maddie. Like that fifth question was more about knowing you than anything. <laughs> like it had nothing to do with anything. It's just like knowing you. And like you, Maddie answered a you Maddie answered the fifth question. You full on Maddie answered it. I won, and now I'm losing based on a judge's opinion on whether or not cilantro rice listen, is success- acceptable. When he's running the game. He gets to make rules like this. All right, Kent, do you want redemption? No, I'm scared. Do you want redemption? (laughs) I'm offering it right now. You have a chance to take the victory. I will mail you a trophy. Uh, Okay, why not? What was the tie for the points scored from the AFC West versus the Chiefs and the Chiefs in the final two games? What was the the, the tie? Like, what what was was the score? How many points did the AFC West score against the Kansas City Chiefs? They scored... 66. That is correct. Kent wins. Woo! Wow. Let's go. Look at that. Head. That was head math. Their math got introduced into the game last second. We had math introduced to the game. It can't be a Maddie game without having a little bit of math involved. It's perfect. Listen, I'm going to call NBC Sports and get my name redacted and yours put in, Kent. <laughs> you, can, you can have this. Because I can count between, I can count 35 and 31. That's great. Okay, wonderful. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be continuing our season preview with the Panthers and the Tom Bay Buccaneers 
right after this. We skipped it last week to, you know, talk with Matt Miller, but we are continuing our season preview. Uh, We've been taking a look at a couple teams every week, asking a few questions about each of them. We're starting with week nine today. The Carolina Panthers come to Arrowhead. The quality of the roster, Craig, what do you think about the quality of this roster? I like parts of this roster. I especially like uh, the front four that they could put down in the nickel with Eter Gross Matos, Derek Brown, Kwan Short, and Brian Burns. I feel like that's a really good rush four right there. One of the better ones in the league. I like Jeremy Chin a lot. Like I like a lot of the new additions that they've made or maybe the second year additions. But man, if you just look one to the right of every single one of these starting players, it's pretty brutal here the the cupboard's pretty bare after the starters and even some of the starters here so it's definitely not up to snuff from some of the guys that we've seen but i like a lot of the individual pieces the hard part about judging a roster like when you get guys in the nfl when you love the draft like we do every team's bound to have some prospects or some young guys that you actually like. So it's hard to sit here and look at these young guys and say, oh, well, I don't like this roster because there's three, four, five names I can pick out that I liked as college players. That being said, when I look through the rest of the NFL and at this Panthers roster, this team should be competing for a top five pick next year. They have holes all over the place, the interior of the offensive line, the secondary. Without Luke Keekley, the linebacker room terrifies me. Like, I think they have a lot of holes in the roster that I think are going to stop them from being able to be a super competent team. The way they're just structurally built right now, I think is going to take another year. So like I said, like Craig said, I like some of the pieces they've added. They have some good stuff in the defensive line, but overall this roster is definitely one of the lower ones that I've looked at so far. I, I'm lockstep with these guys that I really like. There's a, I, probably more on the Craig side. Like I, there's a lot of pieces like I'm very interested in watching this year. It's more it's more of like a genuine interest in watching them than liking the roster overall, I think. And I'm not sure Marty Herney should have a job. <laughs> He's going through another overhaul of this roster now that, you know, Ron Rivera's gone. I, I I'm not sure he's good at this yet. I would I I'm pretty sure he's not. Is there a yet to that? <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't get it entirely. Um, some things don't make sense. I do like some of the pieces on there. I'm very fascinated to see uh, what Matt Rule can do with it. The quality of the staff. What do you think of, of what they got going and cooking over there, uh, Maddie? So I'm going to leave you the low-hanging fruit. I'll leave Joe Brady for you guys because I think that's the most fun one to talk about. But uh, Matt Rule, I'm real interested to see what Matt Rule can pull this off. I think he's been a very good college coach. And I actually think that his kind of intensity and the way he coaches might work pretty well at the NFL level. Like, I think he will get adults, like grown men that have gone through college that are getting paid to play football. I think he'll be able to get them to listen and play hard for him. You look throughout their new additions, he's getting his type of guys, the athletes that are going to work hard, that he can teach how to play how he wants them to. It's like he's really trying to build essentially the same way he did at Temple and then he did at Baylor. So, like, I like that idea. I am a little concerned he has some kind of a homerism for players that he coached in college. He is loading up on Temple and Baylor players, and that is just something to keep monitoring because I think they're up to almost double-digit players that he coached at one point in time in college. I'm not a huge fan of this defensive staff. 
I really am not. Phil Snow is the defensive coordinator. He came over from Baylor with Matt Rule here. He hasn't really done a ton in the NFL. He was with the Lions for a very brief amount of time, mostly been a collegiate guy. Now he's going to jump up and be an NFL defensive coordinator coming from the Big 12 of all places. Like that. That's going to be a tough transition there. And he doesn't have a whole lot of guys to lean on. Al Hocomb is his linebackers coach. Mike Fair is a defensive line coach. These guys aren't big names. Guys that he can rely on to kind of help come in, set the culture at an NFL level, and understand what it's going to take to play up against NFL teams. So I think there's going to be a big, big transitional period there for this defense. And unfortunately, they can't really lean on their coaching staff as being here before and understanding how to do it in the NFL. They gave Phil Snow the entire draft class. Mm-hmm. They spent their entire draft class on defensive players, which I find fascinating. I get to talk about Joe Brady, former New Orleans Saints uh, assistant coach, goes to be the offensive coordinator at LSU for a year and sets the world on fire. Um, I, You know, it, it's, it would be easy to say it's simply just Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, and to let me just be frank, to some degree, I think that helped. <laughs> no doubt about it. But I really like a lot of the stuff that, that Joe Brady implemented there. I think he got the most... Uh, out of those guys, I think he figured out what they were good at, and they really did a fantastic job challenging down the field. They really did a really good job getting Clyde Edwards-Alaire in space. I enjoy watching his designs. I think his 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 stuff out of empty is just fantastic. I I I'm I've been watching a lot of Clyde, and the stuff they do out of empty is just delightful. Uh, so I'm a big fan of his Matt Rule. I think you know he's a program builder. He's not necessarily an X's and O's guy as much. Um, he's always been a program builder, and it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to do it at the next level. Let's talk about a new addition. What do you think, Craig? I love Jeremy Chen, period. I We loved him coming out in the draft. I really like what he can do, and I think that they're going to kind of give him the reins there in the secondary a little bit. Now, Trey Boston's the veteran. He's going to be kind of making the calls back there, but I... I think they're going to probably groom this secondary around Jeremy Chin, and I think that that's good. He's a freak athlete, long, good ball skills, big hitter. I think he's got a chance to really produce here. I think he's going to start immediately and be a big contributor on this defense because, frankly, they don't really have a whole lot of splash impact players back there. They're going to need a guy to step up and do that if they want to be good, and Jeremy Chin's that type of player. I, too, would have picked Jeremy Chen, so I'm going to jump to the other side of the ball and go with Robbie Anderson. I actually really like Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver. He's done a lot with very little help there with the New York Jets. He's had back-to-back 700-plus yard seasons, dealing with some injuries throughout those six, seven touchdowns three years ago. Again, without a lot of help around him, he almost cracked 1,000 yards. He's a good combination of size and the ability to get deep. And like I alluded to earlier with Matt Rule, He played for him before, back at Temple when he was in college. He had two seasons there, both very productive, again, without a ton of help. So I just think Robbie Anderson's going to fit in really well with that team. I think he can help Teddy Bridgewater a little bit underneath with the size because we know Teddy's very accurate, not a huge aggressive player going deep, and having a guy with Anderson's size might help since everybody else is a little bit smaller in that receiving group. 
I uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, PJ Walker. Uh, no, I'm gonna talk about Teddy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I'm I'm a Teddy fan. Uh, I do agree with Matt. He really likes to operate in the short in the short game. Uh, that's kind of been something that has carried him through multiple stints in the National Football League uh, with multiple teams. But um, I still am a believer in him. I think he operates well. I think he I think he operates well from the pocket. I think he's smart. Uh, I think he's a good sound decision maker. He doesn't put the ball at risk very much. He got some opportunities last year. He kind of handpicked. Was really picky about what his next move was going to be. Started in you know in with the Saints. Stuck around there for a little bit. Uh, and we'll see if he's able to carry you know over some of his um, experiences there. He did get some starts you know in in New Orleans. One of the things that I think not, people aren't really talking about much is Joe Brady has some familiarity with Teddy Bridgewater. So and he's and you know Teddy Bridgewater has some familiarity with what Joe Brady's going to call. So there could be a really quick um, you know Teddy Bridgewater's wind up going to wind up being an asset trying to help teach all these guys what they're trying to do. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, speaking of watch, players to watch, uh, I kick this one off. I am going with 2019 first-round pick Brian Burns, uh, a guy that we were all extremely high on in the KC draft guide. I believe we had him top 10. We believed in the player, and he didn't really disappoint. I think he had a really strong rookie campaign, um, showed a lot of the things that you, you were hoping to see even while – you know, keeping a, a good weight, a, a manageable weight for you know the for the NFL season was able to handle an entire year. Um, wasn't as you know some people were worried if he was going to hold on weight, he's going to weigh two twenty off the edge and all that stuff. No, he played at a at a reasonable weight, showed the fluidity uh, in the bend off the edge, good explosive step. He's got to be better. He's going to get better in the run game as time goes on, I'm sure, because he's that kind of kid. Um, it wasn't that way. he was terrible from what I saw last year, but uh, I'm expecting big things from Brian Burns, and he's going to be a fun player to watch grow. I'm going deep with mine. Uh, Stanley Thomas Oliver, a player that we liked as a day three cornerback in this, and the reason I'm picking him as a player to watch is because the Panthers' corners stink. Dante Jackson's there. He's fine. Eli Apple, meh. After that, it's Luke Cole corn elder and he's competing with troy pride jr for a spot here i liked stanley thomas oliver's ball skills his willingness to come come down and tackle just the overall kind of physicality that he played with he needs to put on some more weight but if he can keep those ball skills i like i said they have a lack of them in that secondary he might leapfrog some of these guys and actually get some good playing time by the end of the year for the panthers I'm also going a little bit deeper. I'm going with Christian Miller, uh, edge rusher, defensive end, outside linebacker out of Alabama. He was a fourth-round pick last year in 2019. Those of you guys that kind of followed us or bought the draft guide know we were big fans of Christian Miller, dealing with some injury stuff throughout his career at Alabama and I think even a little bit last year. But he still got on the field, very limited action, but came away with two sacks. This year, he's fighting with Marquise Hayes and maybe Jason Ferris or Yitor Grossmatos. Those are the only guys he's trying to battle with to get reps opposite of Brian Burns. I think basing out of a 3-4 this year instead of a 4-3 is going to be really good for his ability to get on the field. So I'm just excited to see if a guy that I had a huge draft crush on can get on the field and affect the passer a little bit more this season. All right, so that was week nine against the Carolina Panthers. We're going to move all the way to week 12 because the Chiefs' bye week is week 10. They play the Raiders week 11. We've already profiled the Raiders. It's time to talk about the Tom Bay 
Buccaneers. Uh, I'm sure there's nothing interesting about this football team to talk about. Craig, what do you think about the quality of the roster? I covet their secondary. Like, I want this secondary on my Kansas City Chiefs team. I, I want to keep the sa- the safeties, but I love what they've done rebuilding their cornerbacks here, going out, making it a priority, and drafting a bunch of guys, getting them on lower deals, and having them produce. And they targeted athleticism. Last year, they drafted Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting, both Tier 1 CBAT players that both came in and produced immediately like CBAT 1 players typically do. They've also got Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart. They drafted Antoine Winfield this year. They have Mike Edwards from last year. There's just a lot of pieces, particularly in the secondary, that I like. But yes, top to bottom, the whole roster has been kind of remade. This is an all-in move by Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They tried to build the best roster that they could this offseason. They did a pretty darn good job of it. Craig's over here talking about coveting their secondary. I'm over here looking at their linebacker group, and I'm getting cold sweats wishing I had just any of these guys on my team right now. But yeah, this roster from top to bottom is absolutely outstanding. I mean, I think if Shaquille Barrett can be what he was last year, their pass rush will be fine. If he steps back a little bit more to his career average up until this point, I do think there could be a little bit of a need for some more pass rush from this team if they really do want to push for the Super Bowl victory that they're clearly after. But besides that, it's really hard to poke major holes in this roster. As long as the team comes together and it gels, Like this is definitely one of the stronger rosters in the NFL. I think it's fitting that this is put on the exact same show as the Carolina Panthers who I have is one of the worst rosters we've looked at so far. This one might be the best up there with the Bills that I think we've looked at so far in this series. No, I would agree. Uh, I think this is a really sound football team. And, you know, we're going to talk about, I'm sure, the uh, the guy under center. But I don't think they need as much from him under center. as like They, they don't have to put as much pressure on a 43-year-old quarterback because they have some fantastic weapons. They have a very good defense, and they've got some talent on this football team. They got plenty of it, and so uh, you know, getting you know, dropping Tom into this situation is it's pretty nice for them. Uh, quality of the staff, Maddie. I like what the coaching staff did last year. I know it didn't work out great for them, but I think Bruce Arians started getting things going. You saw Todd Bowles really help their defense take some major steps. It actually what played out probably one of the biggest surprises last year was how good the Buccaneers defense was at times. So he did a great job, but I'm most interested in Byron Leftwich. I want to see what else he can do. He was working with Jameis Winston last year. He had some ups. He had some downs. I think we all know. But Byron Leftwich is a guy that I think has some good coaching chops. Like anytime you hear him talk or get insight into his coaching philosophy, it seems like he could be one of the guys really on the rise. Not sure how much coaching necessarily of Tom Brady Byron Leftwich is going to do, seeming they're about the same (laughs) age. But getting the rest of the offense on the same page, helping Bruce Arians adapt his system to a quarterback that is entirely different than what he's normally had, I think it could be a real big step for Byron Leftwich. I think this is a chance for him to shine. This coaching staff, I know we joke about how old I am a lot. This coaching staff really makes me feel really old. Byron (laughs) Leftwich is the offensive coordinator, running back 
Coach Todd McNair, former Chiefs running back there. Antoine Randall-L is an offensive assistant. Larry Foote is a linebacker's coach. Former Chief Kevin Ross is a cornerback's coach. So these are all guys that I remember vividly watching play football, and they're all coaching for Bruce Arians here. I do like a lot of the pieces. Todd Bowles last year was, frankly, even better than we thought he might be. There were some conversations before the Chiefs hired Spags that maybe they might pursue a Todd Bowles, but they obviously went with Spags, and that was a great choice and everything like that. But Todd Bowles is just dangerous enough. He's a good coach, and he trusts young players, and that's good because they have a lot of young players on that side of the ball. Uh, I think this is one of my favorite coaching staffs uh, in the entire National Football League. Uh, I love Bruce Arians. I'm pretty big Todd Bowles fan, if I'm going to be frank. I really wanted him to come back and come or come coach for Kansas City, come back and you know team up with Andy. Um, I think what he did last year was was really just I thought it was outstanding, frankly, because he did have a really young secondary that he was operating with, and they came together strong towards the end of the year. Um, they've got a lot of talent. They've returned about everybody. I don't really know how many key additions that they really had on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of continuity there. They're going to hit the ground running on defense. Um, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a real good football team. Uh, and I really like the coaching staff that's leading this football team as well. Uh, okay, let's go to new addition, Craig. New addition, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, they they went big. They went early. They needed somebody to help protect. Tom Brady, and they spent on a freak athlete in Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa this offseason. I think that he's got a chance from that right tackle position to be very, very good. I think that's where he needs to play. I think he's going to be very good there next to Alex Kappa. They're going to need that in their division to help protect Tom a little bit better. I just think that they're going to be able to line up, run behind Wirfs, get him out in space. Bruce Arians will know how to design some stuff up and use that freakish athleticism and kind of put him out there and dominate some linebackers and some safeties at the second and third level. So I'm excited to see what Tristan Wirfs can do for that football team. I have about five guys I think I could pick to talk about here. So we're going to try to just settle for one. We're going to go with Antoine Winfield Jr., safety out of Minnesota, second round pick this year. Craig talked about really wanting this team secondary, and I think he was mostly talking about cornerbacks, but Antoine Winfield Jr. could easily take over for Mike Edwards or Justin Evans as a starting safety. He actually probably should sooner rather than later. And he will. With their cornerbacks, they have a lot of size, they have a lot of speed, but they're all pretty young. They are guys that are very inconsistent in terms of their play at this point. You need a good safety. You need a very intelligent, smart safety over the top, helping those guys out. And I think Antoine Winfield could really be that guy. I would not be surprised if this offense gets clicking and they can force teams to try to play keep up with them to see Antoine Winfield Jr. have a very good rookie year just in terms of creating turnovers and making plays because not only is that play style, but I mean, you're going to be forced to try to air the ball out and these corners are going to make it pretty difficult. You're going to put the ball in hard situations and I think he could really have a big rookie season for him. I'll talk about the elephant in the room. Rob Gronkowski? Uh, but I'm a, I'm, I was going to... Actually, I was going to go... It's okay. Um, I'm going to talk about Tom and Rob. I mean, we've got to at least acknowledge that this has happened, that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are now in Tampa Bay. Tom signs as a free agent. Rob gets traded after unretiring. He went from jumping on literally 10 WWE wrestlers from like two stories up on WWE 
to being traded to Tampa Bay a couple weeks later. Uh, the man was living his best life out there doing Rob Gronkowski things. Don't want to know. Um, and, and he's back and him and Tom are together again. It's going to be really interesting to see how much Tom has left in the tank because you remember, I mean, Peyton fell off a cliff flat out, just fell off a cliff. Is that going to happen to Tom or is Tom going to be able to sustain success for a couple years? That's why I talk about how important it is that all the stuff around this, around him in Tampa Bay how how important that is because he needs I mean he needs some help because he's older they need to keep him upright they need to get the ball out of his hands a little bit more um, and then Rob Gronkowski we'll find out uh, we'll find out what he's still got left as well it's going to be fascinating uh, but there's another tight end in that group and that's my player to watch is OJ Howard uh, OJ Howard has had a rough start to his career kind of picked up a little bit last year. Um, he was in the doghouse, I believe, a little bit for Bruce Arians, but I think they, you know, there's talks about trading him. They kept him, and this is the perfect situation to get the most out of O.J. Howard, who I believe is in ex- still a very talented football player uh, who hasn't figured it out entirely at the National Football League level, but I thought he was, a you know, a top 15 talent coming out in 2017, whenever it was. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a still a big believer in O.J. Howard, I think this is a big opportunity for him with with all the other weapons around him and Tom Brady liking to operate, you know, somewhat in the short to intermediate. I hinted at it earlier. Jamel Dean is my player to watch. Jamel Dean didn't get any real defensive snaps until week nine of last year. He missed a game in the stretch run there and went out hurt after 10% of the snaps in another game. That means he realistically only played about seven games this last season. He had 17 pass breakups, two interceptions. That is a crazy amount of production for a player like him. He is fast. He is huge. He's 6'1", 206. And he frankly stepped up and allowed them to make that secondary work. They were hoping Sean Murphy Bunting would be that guy. And frankly, Jamel Dean outplayed him at the end of the year. So I'm very interested to see how that cornerback group shakes out. They have a lot of players, but I think that Jamel Dean's going to get the nod to start like he did at the end of the year last year throughout from the start of the year this year. I'm curious to see what that production looks like with a full season. There's so many ways I think you could go here. Do you want to talk about Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn being able to take some of the load off Tom Brady? Will they be able to run the ball with that? You could talk about Tyler Johnson maybe emerging as the third wide receiver, the slot wide receiver, you know, an area that we know Tom Brady likes to throw to. Chris Godwin stacking up on another huge year. But I'm going to go with the second best linebacker in the NFL, Levante David. I think he's somehow flown under the radar. People know he's good. People know he's really good, but nobody's willing to crown him, you know, as the best or one of the best. Without Luke Keekley, with what's happening in Seattle, I think it's time to give Levante David his due. He's been right there with Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley. He just doesn't get the same amount of press. He is excellent versus the run. He is excellent versus the pass. He's incredibly smart. He gets their defense set up. People think Devin White is one of you know the most up and best up and coming linebackers. Levante David allows Devin White to just utilize what he's best at right now, which is just running. Levante David is a bona fide stud, second best linebacker in the NFL right now. And I'm excited to watch him play again, especially as that defense is clicking. 
Ah, we we went all the way through that thing and just mentioned Devin White at the end. And Why? what about like have we talked about Chris Godwin or no. Mike Evans? No, like we haven't spent very much time there with them. So many good players Vita on this team. like Jason Pierre-Paul. Like they have a whole host of players you could talk about. Like I said, this is an excellent roster, and as long as being an excellent roster, it's got a ton of name power. Like this roster has name power. You can look at the Bills, the Ravens, and I think the Chiefs might even fit into this. There's a lot of good players, and they're excellent rosters. I would pit them up against this one, but in terms of just star name power, most casual fans or just general fans of the NFL are going to know 90% of the Buccaneers roster. Now, will it all work together? That's yet to be seen, but on paper, this looks amazing. The good news is the Chiefs have the advantage at quarterback. All right, that's going to do it for the Wednesday episode of the AP Laboratory. No AP Editor Show tomorrow. It will be us the next time you hear from this channel. We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. We'll catch you later. Sixty-six, sixty-six, baby.